My grandfather and his grandson were walking along the edge of a giant lake. Its water was clear and calm, and they paused to gaze at it together. There is a battle going on inside of me, the grandfather said. The battle is between two wolves. One is peace, love, joy, hope, and kindness. The other wolf is greed, ego, envy, and anger, and sorrow. They continued to look out at the lake. The wolves inside me, the grandfather said, are fighting to the death. And the same fight is happening within you. Just below the calm of the water's surface, the grandson could see two fish chasing each other, flashes of fins and scales. And as he watched them, they seemed to blur and become one. Finally, the grandson asked, which one will win? The grandfather turned to look at him, the one you feed. Today, stories about our economy, the choices we make, and the challenges we face when we try to do the right thing for the world around us. Welcome to Expedition Earth, a podcast where we reconnect to the wonders of our world and find a way to protect them. I'm your host, National Geographic Explorer, Lily Sedigat. Together, we'll rediscover what makes us human. They always tell you it's impossible. So I get really angry when people tell me it's impossible. So right away, I was like, oh, f- that. I just walk off and I just start doing it. This is Arthur Huang. And especially when we actually did it, they get even more angry. They want to put you down. Arthur's been called an innovator, a pioneer, a global leader. Yeah, they've been thinking about this for like 20 years and they haven't done you know, and then all of a sudden this guy just like, ah, no, it's possible. And he just went to do it. His work challenges our current system. It seeks to change everything. If you care about what people really think, you cannot do anything. Arthur's on the forefront of what's called the circular economy. Every day, he works to take our current linear economy, the buy, use, dispose model, and turn it into a system where nothing is thrown away. Everything is reused, repurposed, given new life. So why are you specifically the one doing this? Yeah, we should, I call this anger management. I first met Arthur in 2017. Oh, really? So, oh yeah, so when I was 2017, that was during the Trashpresso time with lots of parties, so... What were we like? I mean, I'm curious to hear your honest answer. Pompous assholes. <laughs> I was visiting his company, Miniwiz, to learn about circular economy initiatives in Taiwan. I was new to the island, new to the circular economy. And he was this massive figure, head of an important company. And still, he made time to talk to me. Back then, he struck me as someone incredibly passionate and motivated to do good for the world. But he also seemed conflicted, driven by anger. 
Okay, you're the first one who says I actually can express myself well. That guy is just chaotic. <laughs> Minuis upcycles, which means they take waste and turn it into something more valuable than it was before. Think plastic bottles into bricks, face masks into phone chargers. They've been internationally recognized for upcycling waste into construction and consumer products, high-end products. Minuis takes trash. And they make treasure. And so, what was the initial input that you got from the consumer that this is all based upon? Trash. It's just waste. Whatever you don't want. He means it. Anything you don't want, they can make something valuable from it. But in terms of material-wise,、uh, you have packaging material, paper, plastic, PVC, vinyl, PP, HDP, aluminium, metal, glass, cigarette butts, food waste, garden waste. E-waste, our waste, and so what? Many was for many years we built products from sunglasses to phone chargers, all the way to museum hotels. We actually design, engineer, and build museum hotels. What else? Hospitals, all out of trash. Many ways's recent focus has been on architecture, and their buildings all have this distinct look and feel to them. They're colorful, geometric, artistic. The Jackie Chan Stuntman Training Center in Shanghai has a beautiful textured facade made from old DVDs. Taipei's Eco Arc, a museum and public space, was built with one and a half million plastic bottles, and you can actually see them in the walls. Stores and labs for Nike, where old shoes were turned into fitting rooms and carpet, and make the whole thing seem futuristic. So I mean, it's cool. Like I mean, it's funky. And you see the benches and the chairs are made from all Nike shoes, and so you have, for example, Kobe Bryant shoes completely kind of fuse onto a chair. One shoe's upper is like merging with another shoe upper.、It、looks like a Photoshop painting collage, basically. And even with their beautiful modern designs, the focus on architecture has been driven by practical environmental needs. Architecture is one of the biggest carbon footprint generator. Forty percent of global footprint is building related. So we see that as a one avenue of a huge amount of demand potential, and we can take up a lot of the trash supply. After that first meeting with Arthur, I remember thinking Miniwiz was one of the companies really taking action, not just talking about environmentalism, but actually doing something. I also remember wondering if Arthur's anger was sustainable, if it would burn him out, and where it came from. And the anger really come from looking at a fast fashion company. You know, like I grew up in this part of Asia and in Taiwan, which is one of the biggest textile manufacturer for a long time. Arthur saw Taiwan's industry from the inside at a young age. A lot of the uncles and they're all owners of these textile plants. We all know. Okay, from the very beginning, is that there is no such thing as clean water in textile industry, zero. You actually are using the water to wash and dye and bleach. Normally, one ton of T-shirt you created, you need to、uh, use around eighty tons of water, minimum. That water becomes eighty tons of wastewater. It's treated by dilution, mixed with clean water. Until it's deemed safe, and then 
its discharge into the environment. But the chemicals, the the per ppm, is still there inside the water. So this word "safe" is completely misunderstood. So that's why I get quite angry when I see fast fashion because I know these clothes are just so cheap that they did not consider any of our environmental remediation at all. And if we are buying them as a disposable clothing, oh my goodness, this is like even a bigger disaster than food packaging. Arthur told me his anger, his driving motivation, isn't just concern for nature. It comes down to concern for people, for what happens when their environment is damaged, when a system drives good people to do things that might harm others. They are not bad people. These uncles and aunties who own these textile plants—they are not bad people. They're good people. They're not trying to damage the environment. They know that. They know they are throwing dirty water into the waterway. They know, but they are trying to do their best, and they also trying to make money to support family, support a factory of four hundred people. So they have a lot of responsibility too. And of course, if you see everybody is just part of that system. Then I see something wrong with this system. If the only way to make a living is to do something damaging to the environment, damaging to the people around you, is trying to be sustainable even an option? Right now, when we talk about recycling, we talk about upcycling, we talk about reduced carbon footprint, we talk about environmental protections. Unfortunately, there's no incentive, there's no infrastructure in place for you to do that. Arthur's had this conversation with family members. They see his work, and it just looks like he's taking the hard road. I think with one of the uncles, he's like, "What type of business are you in? You're not doing any of the simple stuff. You're not doing low-hanging fruits. You know, we business. You have to do low-hanging fruits to make money. I'm trying to prove it to you that I can do it in a different way. But I also have to prove to you that I can make money in the new generation." Of economic values, I need to prove that to them. But to change the system, it's not always enough just to ask people to do the right thing. If you argue everything based on the moral premise, doesn't work. Minuis takes a different approach. They make their products and buildings so nice, so appealing, that people don't even think about the environmental benefits. We just. Don't believe we should even tell people what we are doing. We just tell people, yes, it's cheaper, fancier, better, prettier. You don't even have to tell them it's sustainable. Sustainable is a prerequisite for us. And when they experience the building, and then then they sat down, and there's a little car. It's like, by the way, everything you are touching right now is made from trash.、And、they're like, wow, it's cool. And that revelation, I think, is life changing. So why do we consume the way that we consume in this very linear fashion? Like, how did this even develop? It's called capitalism, and capitalism appeals to our lowest self. That lowest self is something subliminal. Our base motivations, our fundamental desires. In our Chinese name, it's a direct translation of mini wisdom, but it's called small wisdom. In Dao De Jing, it's in Laozi. You can only understand the way, the way how the nature works, if you understand yourself, and that actually, to me, means humble. So you have to have wisdom. You have to be able to look at the mirror 
really hard, see the ugly side of you, then you will see the desire of others, and then you will see how the world operates. Maybe change isn't just getting rid of our anger or our frustration. If we can understand that side of ourselves, if we can see it and understand it in others, then maybe that's how we can learn to create lasting change. It's another way of being humble, another way of being more Tao, considering yourself as just one component of nature, rather than you trying to force an ideology into an existing system. As Arthur has worked abroad and with different industries, he's found that creating a circular economy has realities for those invested in the current system. A lot of people lose their job, actually. But we're designing a system to be more efficient, to be more sustainable, more easy to install. But we forgot to consult and allow the existing contractors to be able to install the ceiling. So once that happens, of course, you get a lesson taught. And the lesson can be very simple. It's like, do you expect to leave New York tonight, <laughs> for example? So what happened? No, just they just push you to the side. No, no, I mean, they're nice people. I, I don't want to villainize people. Miniwiz's designs are non-traditional. They don't use glue. The building blocks interlock. The model is more sustainable than traditional construction methods. But for contractors expecting a certain amount of work and compensation, it's created issues. They just find me very strange because, let me give you a conclusion. The conclusion, I did not give any kickback. Kickback. Meaning that to do the work Arthur wanted, he'd give them the compensation they expected. And everyone's happy. But I did not know I even have to do that. <laughs> and so they basically locked me in the room for like, two days and it says you gotta think it through otherwise you won't leave this country again you won't get on a plane again so i was like what is going on what's going on and later i kind of figure out oh okay it's this so i say i got it and then they say okay then they just drove me directly to goal like a jewelry shop they just walk in and they just pick up some very expensive gift about forty thousand worth of stuff USD, and they just walk out. And I'm sitting there with a the bill, and my credit card didn't work. And I'm stuck, and I actually had to run. <laughs> I ran, yeah. I ran to the airport. I was hiding in the bathroom of a toilet because I was afraid. <laughs> I was like, I was kneeling on the toilet. Uh, it's just so people cannot see there's someone in there. I mean, it literally, it feels like a movie. Eventually, Arthur was able to get home to Taiwan. And at the end, I called the agents who helped to arrange the deal. I said, dude, man, like, you got to go figure this one out. I, my credit card bounced, and I don't want this contract anymore. So I just literally ran away, and I say, I don't want this contract. So, you know, you can take the contract back. Incremental progress, working with and through existing systems to change them from the inside, that's the reality of doing this kind of work. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, this is just part of a game. And this is real. Like, that's what happened on the ground. In 2017, Miniwiz was working with actor and filmmaker Jackie Chan on several building projects. One day, they received a letter and some photos from Jackie, 
about an area on the Tibetan Plateau, home to the head of the Yangtze, Mekong, and Yellow River system that powers much of East and Southeast Asia. And it's polluted by local trash with packaging waste and tourist trash, plastic waste, and some agricultural waste too. The cows, the hairy ox, they're all feeding on these plastic. And I have these pictures, the horrific photos, and they say, do you have any solutions to help us to increase this recycling uh, or on, we don't have a recycling system? Arthur and his team came up with the Traspresso, a portable, miniature recycling system, small enough to move around, but big enough to handle a community's waste. Solar-powered capable of turning plastic bottles into building tiles within only a few hours, with zero emissions and zero waste. Yes, that's the reason why I say it's like ultimate stupidity put to test is because there's a lot of technical problem that comes with that. The Traspresso was supposed to be a solution for the area's issues, and an opportunity for Arthur to show the power of decentralized recycling, how effective it can be when we keep our recycling systems local. We actually went on a couple trips to actually see what are the conditions we are dealing with, whether we are possible to bring the machine up there. And we did see the conditions of the Head River in really bad conditions. And there is no recycling plant. So we invested in the machine. And Jackie says, how about this? We go ask Nat Geo and we do this film, do this documentary together. So then we went to do a documentary like this. The project started to attract a lot of attention. They planned to drive the Traspresso on the back of two trucks, all the way to the Tibetan Plateau. And with the Miniways team, camera crew, and Jackie Chan, they'd clean up the area, recycle the trash, and decorate a local school with building tiles they had made from the waste. We apply for a license to go up there, and they know Jackie's going, they know Nat Geo is filming it, so they wouldn't let us go. Until after three months, all of a sudden, they say, yes, you can go now with Jackie. And then by the time we went up there with Jackie and with our machine, there's no more trash. And then there's a recycle system in the middle of 4,500 meters. It's quite amazing. Without trash, there was no way to showcase the Traspresso as a recycling solution. In the Natural documentary, you hear our team cursing a lot the whole time. It was just like beep, beep, beep the whole time. The trip itself hadn't been easy to the Traspresso either. The machine was completely damaged during the transportation. And Jackie was supposed to come and thousands of people gathering just to see Jackie, to go pick up trash with Jackie. Okay, and there's no trash. Uh, and our machine's broken. So, so that's why you hear a lot of cursing all over the place. So, anyways, it was fun. In the end, the team got everything working. Jackie Chan showed up and took the school children on a trash pickup, where they found enough waste to make some tiles. And thanks to the kids, the ultimate goal of the project, spreading environmental awareness, happened sort of organically. It was just truly inspirational. You can see the urge to learn more and the urge to actually make a difference in their community. One of a little girl just said to us, I'm a girl, but I want to do what big brother, big sister are doing. So what does she have to do right now to be able to do what we do? 
I say, just be good at math. And it is in one way. There's another dude, a little guy saying, but I'm not good at math. I hate math. I was like, oh, okay, then let's not look at math. Then, if you like to write, then you know it's about observations. It's writing the good stories, right, about this. So yeah, that is the probably the most endearing moment uh, for us. Is this the time that you had your daughter? Right after that, yes. So did it feel extra special for you, making you think of your child? Yeah, not really. We're still far from realizing the circular economy. We still struggle to change the systems we know are harmful to the environment, to implement the right solutions for the future. And for Arthur, whether or not it's perfect, whether or not we're perfect, it doesn't matter. We can still get out and make a change. So there's plenty of opportunity for innovations in this field. And I certainly wish the listeners, doesn't matter which country you're from, develop or developing or just coming out with your own solutions. And then technology these days equalizes these cultural superiority complex. Yes, be more like nature. Yes, please consider the ecosystem. (laughs) Yes, please also be fearless and don't give a shit about others. And by the way, that's a complete oxymoron, right? <laughs> because of the ecosystem you're in, yet you have to be completely, yeah, like, don't give a about what people say about you. Every time she see me, she'll ask me, is my jacket made from trash? Did you make it? And then like, I take home anything. He's like, did you make that? That makes me very self-conscious, by the way, because she knows that whatever I bring back is already made from trash. Except her own toys did not make from trash for her, but I, I still need to improve on that. I mean, she's probably one of the only people in the world who would ever say, hey, dad, is this made from trash? In a sense, you're imparting your value system in a new generation. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but it sounds really funny, though, because... Is that make from trash? Are you a trash person? Oh, and oh, what did my daughter say that other day? You're full of trash, you know, like in Chinese. You're full of trash. You're full of trash. And then after she eat one of those little packaging of cookies, she'll put it in one of my bin where I use our machine to recycle. I will make sure I give you this so you can do something with that. So, which is very cute. She's <laughs> putting a little bit extra pressure on you then, huh? Yes, very self-conscious. I think she's making me the most self-conscious. The story shared above about the grandfather and his grandson was in part inspired by the Cherokee tribe and their story, The Tale of the Two Wolves. To learn more about Arthur's work, check out National Geographic's show Jackie Chan's Green Heroes, where Arthur teams up with the legendary Jackie Chan to bring his mobile plastics recycling machine to the Tibetan Plateau. Expedition Earth is produced by National Geographic Asia in partnership with the National Geographic Society. I'm your host, Lily Sedegat. Thank you for listening.